Welcome to Second Class Cinema, the show where we watch a B-movie and immediately discuss. I'm Tom. I'm here with Eric and Brittany. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello, Eric and Brittany. Hi. I would like to be referred to as one of your rippers from now on. One of my rippers? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thomas and the Rippers. All right. Very appropriate name for the, for the <laughs> colleagues on the show here, uh, because we watched 1986's Never Too Young to Die, starring John Stamos. Mm, yes. <laughs> yes. Of Jesse and the Rippers fame. Yes. That's the one. <laughs> uh, also in this movie, we had... Um, we had Gene Simmons. We had Gene Simmons. And George, George Lazenby. Lazenby. Yes. <laughs> I was like, why does that guy look so familiar? <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. Um, so, Eric, this was your pick this week. Yeah. And it's your birthday. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to you. We're allowed to sing that on the air now. We are. <laughs> and we're not gonna. Not today. That's the beauty of it. Not today. Ha- That's as far as we're going. <laughs> so what was this movie about? Uh, okay, so this movie was about Gene Simmons as a hermaphrodite named Ragnar who is leading a group of Mad Max-type road warriors in the desert, and he wants to capture a disc called the Ram Key, mm. which will allow him to divert nuclear waste into the water supply of the city that they're in. Mm. Um mm-hmm. He is nearly foiled by George Lazenby, who is some sort of secret agent. Never happened before. Uh, <laughs> and George Lazenby is caught and killed, and uh, his son Lance Stargrove, who is a <laughs> gymnast in college, uh, finds about his death and eventually follows in his footsteps to foil Ragnar. And Lance Stargrove is played by John Stamos. Yes, so that's fantastic news. So why- <laughs> <laughs> it is fantastic. So why did why did you pick this movie? Um, I just happened. I, I came across this. Uh, like a synopsis of this movie on like some message board. I can't even remember where or why I come, came across it. But I saw the casting list and then I saw the description of the movie and I said that we had to watch it because yep. it seemed like it would be perfectly up our alley. <laughs> and in my head, I was expecting Jim Cotta too and I think we got it. I think you're right. And <laughs> speaking of Jim Cotta, I, w- I would like to, uh, before we move on, ask you guys a question. Shoot. So who is the better gymnast turned action hero? John Cabot, Jim Cotta, or Lance Stargrove, Never too young to die. Well, saying that John Stamos would be some sort of gymnast martial artist would be giving him way too much credit. Uh, well, I, <laughs> gymnast turned action hero. That's true. Well, he was a better action hero, but the other guy was a better gymnast. Well, that's clear. The other guy was an actual Olympic <laughs> gold medalist. Yeah. And John Stamos had a stunt double. <laughs> Who was pretty good at gymnastics. I'll give them credit, yes. Okay. All right. Well, okay, fine. And um, John Stamos didn't need appropriately placed pommel horses in order to do his action hero stuff. So I think John Stamos uh, is the superior action hero. He, in fact, hardly used his gymnastics at all. Mm, Correct. During his uh, ass kickery. Barely at all, if at all. Maybe once, maybe twice. I mean, he hung off some stuff. That's about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was way more practical uses of gymnastics for helping you save the day as opposed to Uh, completely using it. Fucking pommel horse. (laughs) Haunts my dreams. A nice anyway. pre-chocked pommel horse in the middle of this <laughs> European town. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, you clowns, cut the crap. Anyway, so let's let's get into successes for this movie, guys. Um, let's let's start with those. Eric, you look like you've got something to say. <laughs> I thought the casting was awesome. All right, I, um, I can agree with that. Specifically, I thought Gene Simmons was inspired, <laughs> um, and I've seen him act before. I've seen him in like I think he was in an episode of Miami Vice, and he was very unimpressive. Mm. And this would have been around that same time, so I'm kind of wondering if he was just directed poorly in that episode. Because in this, he is a fucking crazy person, yeah, and he does an amazing job of it. He really does. He's oh, totally agree. Oh yeah, he's like super Tim Curry-ish. Oh yeah, like, I yeah, he was like Frankenfurter meets Marvelous Mervo. Dude, yes, that is a perfect way to describe it. <laughs> Marvelous Mervo of Blood Harvest, mm-hmm. played by Tiny Tim. Like at the beginning, as soon as he started talking in that like weird sing songy voice, oh I was like, God. "This is Tiny Tim." What was his first line? Um, my little turd balls and scum buckets, <laughs> and everyone was, was like, "Applauding!" Turd balls, turd balls, turd balls. <laughs> this is the first ten seconds of the movie. Yeah, we were pretty much. In right there was the- so much terminology in this movie that I did not understand. <laughs> for instance, for instance, uh, well, I felt like they tried to make like their own little language mm. as the way that these punk kids mm-hmm. talk, and like when they were like garbage him. Oh yeah, I like that. And then I, instead I of saying search him, they were like up and down him. I was like, I don't. This is forced. <laughs> <laughs> it was forced, but I did still like it. I liked the garbage um, him. And I, then. I, I, yeah. Yeah. And then later in the movie, Gene Simmons like rattled off the list of insults. I can only assume <laughs> they were insults. I'm pretty sure the yeah, only thing I heard was turvy warblers. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like a string of like just obscenities like that. <laughs> I that. And I was like, this is very weird. It's very. I don't know if it was trying to do like its own little clockwork orange. Yeah. Mad Max type thing. Yeah, it definitely had like its two seconds. It had reality, and then it had, like, this weird motorcycle punk gang that followed Ragnar, which is the Gene Simmons evil hermaphrodite. <laughs> Velvet. Velvet, yes. Who, which, which I, just, I, I just have to totally agree with how awesome he was in this movie. So I good. actually had Gene Simmons in my plus column and John Stamos in my negative column. What? <laughs> what? What? Which I can explain well, well, when we get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. I just felt like you guys should know. Fair enough. <laughs> right now? Okay, <laughs> fine. Um, I thought which, what really worked for this movie, I felt like uh, whoever whoever made this, whoever was behind this, had a very clear direction. Like they, mm-hmm. they, they really attacked and executed a movie that they had thought about beforehand. And even if there were holes before... Yeah. It doesn't matter because they just, I feel like they just put their heads down and they just made this motherfucker. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, and then it, and it came out as, as clear as a bell, even though it's completely absurd. <laughs> clear, yeah. No, like, well, clear enough. I feel like. We uh, did have to pause the movie 40 minutes in to set everyone on the same page. <laughs> we just had to make but, sure we were all understanding correctly. But we were all understanding correctly. True. We were. And I don't think that it was like the storytelling's fault. I think it just in execution got a little patchy in some areas because they would just drop you into a situation yeah. with like zero explanation of how you got there and why. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it wasn't that hard to follow. No, no. It was simple. They kept it simple enough. Yeah. They didn't make it too in-depth. They just peppered us with with some stuff. It that... just was very fast-paced also. Yeah. So that probably had something to do with it mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. They, they went with the KISS principle. 
keep it simple stupid because Gene Simmons was on board. Oh, okay. Of course. Of course. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> but I felt like it being fast paced actually worked in its favor. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. never really gave you a second to be bored. Yeah. yeah. And so much of it was absurd. Well, and it didn't give you a second to think about what had happened because if you did, I think you'd be lost. Oh, I'm and sure. Instead of, it, yeah. of presenting a new simple situation for them to achieve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that that definitely worked in the movie's favor. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, at any point where it seemed like they might be getting in over their heads and trying to set up like a complicated James Bond plot, they just started another action scene. Yeah. And it, it kind of worked. Yeah. It worked in the I way like, that I understand <laughs> that there's people coming after John Stamos and whoever else. I was that like, this is choppy storytelling, but I get it. Yeah. But I'm, I'm following. And I wonder if that came down to what they shot or if that came down to the edit. Mm. Because I actually thought this was edited very well. Very pacey. It was an hour 30, just over an hour 30. Flew by. And it really it, did. It flew. Absolutely flew. The movie was super pacey. So I feel like the editing had a lot to do with us keeping us interested in this mm-hmm. movie because I'm not sure if that was you know, the intended goal to not go as deep. Yeah. I kept be, it high level. I'd be curious to see like what was shot versus what actually hit the cutting room floor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I actually appreciated how ridiculous this movie was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like the... I'm going to go ahead and say the goon game was very strong. Oh, it was <laughs> stronger than most movies we've seen. Absolutely. like I would say rivaling Samurai Cop. I, up there. Yeah. Up there. Up there. But maybe not quite as good. Because, I mean, obviously, amongst Men on Fire, <laughs> we, we always award, you know, goon game very highly. They, they get the, the highest accolades. For sure. And this movie because that just means you're paying it. Yeah, you're paying attention to the details mm-hmm. down to the extras. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. This movie was definitely great for little details. I thought they did really well. And, um, I mean, to tie into that, one of my other favorite pieces of casting was, I, I didn't get the name, but the guy playing Pyramid, oh who God. looked like Jake the Snake Roberts on steroids. Yes. <laughs> that guy was awesome. Over the top. Yeah. Like, that's exactly what a movie like this needs. Just someone that's, like, crazy, Just like, big rage or, freak. <laughs> yeah, or, like, like really tall or super short or like just something weird about them. He looked, that doesn't quite add up. He definitely looked like a weird guy in a Super Nintendo game. Yes. <laughs> he like, looked like every everyone in this movie fell out of Double Dragon. Ooh, that yeah. is a great example for the goons in this game. <laughs> Double Dragon. And Gene Sorry. Simmons is the last boss. <laughs> no, please go. I actually had something to add to the whole Jimkata thing. Oh, okay. Shoot. Well, let's let's do a little of that. Not really even about Jimkata, but I did write down that the gymnastics in this movie were better than the ones in Fatal Games. <laughs> okay. In that it had any. <laughs> yes, and that, that it, it existed. I can buy that. That's it. All right. <laughs> well, if I can transition a little bit from that. Um, I thought the action scenes in this movie were far better than they had any right to be. Yeah. There were some really cool action scenes. Uh, what like, I think aided these action scenes were uh, like the artillery in them. Mm-hmm. Like the, the giant guns they had all over the place. At first, I was very displeased with John Stamos as an action hero. Um, he was not very take charge. No. But by the end, I was uh, I was turned around. Yeah. Okay. I think that was part of his character arc. Yeah, kind when of like... they did the super obvious, like <laughs> seeing the picture <laughs> oh, oh of his God. dead and getting enraged and finally fighting back. He I was a, like, all right. He had a three-second character Here we go. <laughs> Three seconds, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm a star grow now. They wrote a song about me, and they played it at the start of the movie. <laughs> Wait, we're not in negatives yet. Oh, man. Oh, man. We'll get there. We'll get there. Oh, manaroni. <laughs> so uh, what what else was there about action scenes, Eric? Um, I, I just, there was just like a, such a huge variety of action scenes. We had at least like six or seven good action scenes in this movie. There was an excellent car chase 
far better than this movie had any right to have. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> there was just like some great shootouts in like a big factory area. You know, I love that kind of thing. Um, and they just put the effort in, you know, it, 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 there's just something about the fact that some of these older action movies and like B level action movies would put the effort in and make something really fun and cool. Whereas like th this would be considered a bad movie back then. And now like a bad action movie now doesn't even exist. <laughs> like yeah. it would just be phoned in. It we would just be like, what is this? This is not entertaining to anybody. It would be all CGI. Yeah. There's, there's no craft or effort put into it. Mm-hmm. I can appreciate that a bad movie back then just had so much to offer. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, you know, live action stunt work, mm -hmm. explosions. I just like the little steps that they took to make it over the top. Mm. Um, like when he was firing that shotgun and like yelling out the window <laughs> and then just like firing it again at nothing. I was like, this is so insane. <laughs> but it totally worked in its favor. Mm hmm. Well, I have an entire success that says this movie is absurd. Uh, oh. I think we've kind of well covered that. <laughs> I, think, I think we nailed that one. Yeah, I just wrote ridiculous. That sweet Never Too Young to Die song at the end. Yep, yeah. Oh, the, um, you know, they said the name of the movie in the movie. Clear success. Clear success. <laughs> we all know. So you don't forget what movie you're watching. A plus. I know. I need to remember because I was like, wait, what was this? And then he said it and I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks, Gene? Yeah, he said yeah. it. Okay. <laughs> At the beginning of this movie, I was like, I don't know if I've gained or lost respect for Gene Simmons. Well, your first problem was having respect for him to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting to that. <laughs> At first, I was like, I don't know. Uh, but then as the movie went on, I was like, this is actually awesome, and he's pretty great in this role. And then I was like, wait, how much respect did I have for Gene Simmons <laughs> to begin with? And then by the end of this movie, it, it had at least tripled. I will definitely say that I have more respect for him now. He yeah. nailed it. Like, totally. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can understand why. I mean, even if you don't like Kiss, you can understand there's a lot of theatricals that go into that. Yeah. And I mean, from what I understand, he and Paul Stanley both kind of came up with like this big, larger than life Kiss concept. So even if you think it sucks, which I personally do not care for Kiss, <laughs> um, they, they put a lot of effort into like really building up characters and making them seem larger than life. Mm. And it makes sense that he would naturally be a pretty talented at being an actor for especially this kind of megalomaniac style character yeah totally. i mean from what i understand gene simmons is kind of a megalomaniac in real life <laughs> so it probably sense. didn't take too much effort <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I, I buy that he he definitely uh definitely nailed it all right let's um let's go into failures then john stamos you think john stamos <laughs> was a failure he's not a good actor what <laughs> i feel like we've all been laboring under this illusion <laughs> For like three fucking decades so that John Stamos is an acceptable actor. John Stamos is talented and sexy, all right? <laughs> um, you know what? I feel like the older I get, the more I disagree with both of those statements. That's a, that's a, that's a bald-faced lie. Bald. My face is pretty bald. <laughs> I think John Stamos is... Is a great time. Like, I was always like, yeah, Uncle Jesse rules, obviously. Obviously. Well, obviously. He's obviously a babe, but I think it's just Uncle Jesse. You think Uncle Jesse is better than just John Stamos? Yeah. What do you think, Eric? I don't, like, I haven't seen... Jesse and the Rippers? I haven't seen... I know <laughs> what he does. <laughs> I haven't I'm... seen John Stamos in anything other than this and Full House. That's so what I'm saying. I'm having such a hard time figuring out where i stand like on i this. feel like people say his name and you're like oh yeah john stamos totally but when you really think about it and you really delve into his existence in the <laughs> film world it's like sparse 
But I feel like the person of John, he's John Stamos, where kind of wherever he goes. I mean, okay, he seems like a nice guy. Well, I just he's talented. <laughs> I have and a he's, personal problem with him. And he's sexy, so he's talented. He's that means you're, you're you are thrust into into movies and television because he he looks good. He looks like he can dance. <laughs> What? He's super cute. <laughs> Your criteria is all over the fucking place, buddy. It's like you can dance. <laughs> Who doesn't want to watch John Stamos on TV? Stamos? Come on. Uh, John no. full Stamos. <laughs> I, I will say I might be clouded a little bit by the fact that if I were to watch Full House, I would think that John Stamos is the only good actor on the show. <sighs> if only because his character is the only charming piece of it as an adult. Maybe, but, but I, I mean, as an adult, I don't want to talk about Full House too much here. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? As, I mean, I, I could, I could, I could. I days. enjoy Full House as an adult. I, still, you know. Well, I'm sadly. just, just saying. Like, I mean, on Full House, I think you know, Joey, Uncle Joey's funny. He's a funny guy. No, he's not. Yes, he is. <laughs> no, he's not. If, <laughs> he is. He does great impressions. <laughs> he doesn't. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> Who? No one does a better Bullwinkle. Who does a Bullwinkle? Who would bother to do a Bullwinkle? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows who Bullwinkle is anymore. It's true. It's a little, a little dated. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that they're coming back with Fuller House, I, I'm sure he can get some up-to-date like SpongeBob I'll probably impressions watch it. in there. I'll watch it. Fucking moving on. Yeah, let's get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> all right, see ya. All right, bye, guys. Um, all right, now, okay, we're, we're done talking about Full House So and John Stamos. So <laughs> almost. Oh, so, so what else failed about the movie? What else failed? Uh, sorry, I was uh, just looking at my notes and realized that I wrote Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy. What? <laughs> Why? Because Lance's <laughs> friend showed up in that yellow shirt with like the green striped oh my, pants oh my God. and the helmet. And I was like, oh my God, he looks like fucking Mermaid Man. <laughs> in my head, I was like, this guy looks like a luchador accountant. <laughs> uh, <laughs> El Banco Loco. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, so you didn't like his like buddy character that was like his college roomie who was like the tech guy who came up with no, a lot of cool stuff. He was or? just like the random Asian guy who would pop up every like thirty minutes with a new invention. And I just <laughs> thought I just thought that that was like a really played out fucking trope by nineteen eighty six. You think? No. Yeah. By nineteen eighty six? I don't think so. I think data already came and went at that point. So So that's it. Once and you're done. <laughs> one and done. You get one guy. One and done. You got one. One Asian engineering friend and like that's it. Come Eight. up with a new shtick, Asians. It's done. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Until the nineties, you're SOL. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I um well one thing that I had down as a kind of a failure or a success, I wasn't quite sure, but we did kind of cover it already. But it was how this movie just didn't give you a second to think about what just happened. It just moved on. <laughs> we had to pause and be like, all right. Like, I don't, I, like, under normal circumstances, I think that's a failure. I think that's, that's something that I'm not absorbing your movie. And mm -hmm. I need, like, a little cool down second to appreciate what you did or what you're about to do. Yeah. But it just thrust forward and didn't give me time to hate on anything but only time to appreciate those little things that i caught yeah i'm sure if we watched it again we'd catch even more amazing little things probably yeah. so maybe it is more of a of a success than a failure Well, because i feel like it wasn't really that convoluted to where it no. could be like full speed ahead and that, 
you'd be left with little to wonder about. I, That's a I good point. Think to its benefit is that in the first 30 seconds of this movie, Gene Simmons basically drops a giant exposition right on top of you. Yes. Yeah. And in the first like 10 minutes, I yeah. actually quoted him here. They're poisoning the water supply for gold, jewels, money, and ransom. Yeah, I understand that. I understand everything that's going on in this yeah. movie already, and it's and it wasn't I was like thanks, Gene. And it wasn't boring, and it didn't nope. take too long. No. no, it wasn't like exposition dump time where we have to explain the whole plot for fifteen minutes. It was quick in, and then every so often there'd be a little obstacle to overcome, and then the end. Yeah, yeah. it's very simple. Very, and that's all structure and action. Uh, all the structure and action movie really needs. Yeah, and then it just needs to be action. Yeah. Sorry, we're supposed to be in failures. Um, I hated the <laughs> fingernail gimmick. You didn't like the fingernail? No, I thought it was cheesy. Um, Velvet slash Ragnar had like a long fingernail oh, Like knife. a middle, middle finger. finger. <laughs> yeah, like fingernail knife. Who the fuck knows? Yeah. That he would like slit people's throats with and I thought it was pretty lame. Yeah, it was Especially because that one guy was like, not the finger. <laughs> I was like, this is weird. I wish it was more. I wish it was not just a fingernail, but like a really cool like knife ring that cool. had like a little like talon looking thing on it so we could like scratch and, and impale with it. <laughs> Maybe had like a fake hand. I wish something. it was like yeah. a knife, like glove. <laughs> like like a, like a sword. Like Robert mm. England was in this movie for 30 seconds. For some reason. Oh. And he brought it with him. That would have been very <laughs> convenient. Oh, you know what was really inconvenient? That he popped up and then I just started thinking about Nightmare on Elm Street for like two and a half minutes. <laughs> and I completely missed a scene transition where they like escaping hostages. <laughs> <laughs> it's just this giant war scene going on. You're like, oh, sorry. I was just thinking about Robert Englund. talking about like the detonator and the suitcase. And then all of a sudden I checked back in and our two main characters are outside <laughs> like getting shot at with assault <laughs> I was like, all right, here we are. But you know what? That, that's that's fine because you can make the mental leap. You can go, oh, they escaped. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I thought easy. it was surprising that he was in this movie. Yeah. But I, I guess not really. Well, I mean. I this mean, was early in the Elm Street that's days. That's true. But it also said like special guest star, Robert Englund. Just weird when your movie has a special guest star. Yeah. Isn't that reserved for television show? You know what's weird? <laughs> that weird, I man. never was aware that there was a movie in existence where Gene Simmons and John Stamos almost make out. Uh, yeah, I've, mm. th I feel like this movie was a lot of, well, I bet you didn't know that happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> never in a million years would I think that that's on film somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think one of my notes says, I never knew I wanted John Stamos to cock a shotgun on film until now. <laughs> <laughs> until it happened to me. Until no idea. Gene Simmons uh, hurt John Stamos's ear with a toilet. We'll go into that later. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my God. I have questions. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we're all wrapped up on failures. Unless um, Eric, you've got one more. I do have one last failure. Okay, and that is. Quickly. So, we've gone over uh, good guy and bad guy music in mm. Only the Strong. Yes. This movie's bad guy music is on point. Uh, yes. Excellent. I thought you were going to say the music is so confusing. It is. It's very confusing. And that is because <laughs> as good as the bad guy music is, the good guy music is awful. Yes. <laughs> so bad. It's baffling. It's like super like Casio synthy, like nothing charming about it. Very like square wavy. I feel like there were whistles. I feel like it was really yeah. forceful. And, like, we would just get these really, yeah, like, we would have these giant war scenes where you expect something at least, like, a little, like, oomph, like, a little 
like upbeat or like inspiring. Yeah. But it was just it was like, like this wispy new wavy stuff. Yeah. Like, <laughs> didn't well, make any sense. there was that that one scene where he became the Stargrove and he started fighting back. That's mm-hmm. exactly the music I'm thinking of. Where they used so confusing. Well, no, that that was like the uplifting, inspiring music that they should have used a couple more times. It was weird, though, because I felt like that music was not to be shown over someone kicking the shit out no, of somebody. Like, it was supposed no. to be shown someone like it was supposed to be played over someone like winning a race. That's yes. exactly what yeah, I was yeah. gonna say. Perfect. Like, mm-hmm. but like chariots had, of fire. But getting a silver yes. medal, yay! But that's the thing is he's a gymnast. Yeah, you know what I mean. So he's winning this competition. I I can buy. It. I buy he's it. He's winning the competition <laughs> of life. It's true. I don't think we established him enough as a gymnast to go to that well. Yeah, I know. Because I, I, yeah. we just got like that two minute montage clip at the beginning. Which, speaking of bad music, Oof. let's talk about the Stargrove theme. Which wow. is awesome. Which is um, an ode to our main character, Lance Stargrove, played by John Stamos. Mm. And I wrote a couple of lyrics that I'm pretty sure are wrong, but I would like <laughs> to repeat them for the audience. Oh, just like <clears throat> Turvy Warblers. P- please do, Eric. Stargrove, enter to the danger zone. Stargrove, <laughs> I am not a Santa Mall. Stargrove, <laughs> this is not Culture Club. <laughs> and that's Stargrove. Yeah, yeah, that's what I heard. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> all right. So uh, that's all we have for failures. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a wrap on failures. Brittany, you said you had some questions. I actually, now that I'm reading it. You have none. I have one. Okay, you have a question. That's and it was question. the one that I started asking and then you paused it and I was like, never mind. Um, so <laughs> there, uh, Lance's dad, yes. Stargrove Sr., is led to believe that there's a mole inside his police organization and it's this agent named Carruthers, who, yep. surprise at the end, is actually Velvet? Yes. Slash right. Ragnar? S- yes, slash Gene Simmons. So, I guess I can draw the conclusion that he was Carruthers the whole time. Mm-hmm. I think he was. But at the time, I was like, so did Carruthers ever exist? I don't think so. And, like, did he get killed and then somebody was, like, pretending to be him? Well, there was definitely a shift in the Carruthers that we noticed because there was at one point where he was just a guy on screen. And then all of a sudden we're like, who the fuck is this major redhead? Yeah, it was just a redheaded guy. And then he (laughs) showed up all of a sudden again later and he looked like three eight-year-olds in a trench coat. (laughs) Well, didn't (laughs) With, like, a fake beard glued on. And then he ripped the beard off and I was like, I knew it. Yeah, Yeah. he he had a beard go all the way up to his temples. (laughs) It was so weird. I knew you were bald faced all along. <laughs> he is a bald faced liar. Now I, I thought he was one of the guys that had betrayed them at the very beginning. I think he was. Yeah, that's what I thought as well. Right, Cor- I think that was him. Yeah. So I think he was always a turncoat. He was. Okay, because I, I thought I saw him. him and like saw him be terrible, and then later he was like talking to the police, and they were acting like nothing was wrong. Mm-hmm. I was like, did I like? dream this whole subplot yeah where he's I, a traitorous prick no no I, I think i don't think anyone that had evidence that he was a traitor made it out alive okay i exactly yeah. so he he did that no yes. one figured it out and then he kept on with his job as usual and yep. just used that to finish his his task his mm-hmm. mission all right yeah yeah i think that's it all right um well if there are no more questions then let's do some favorite parts <sighs> Let's do some f- more favorite parts because we did talk about some. Um, I had turd balls and scum buckets as a favorite part. Yep. Oh, my favorite part of any movie. Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when they're escaping and John Stamos walks up behind a guy and says, excuse me. And the guy turns around and he just blasts him with a shotgun. <laughs> I thought that was pretty great. Yeah, it was good. That was good. Um, the whole water and fruit thing. 
Oh my god! Oh my god! Which I can't even explain. This is maybe the funniest thing we've ever seen in a movie. Jesus, take the wheel. (laughs) This so this was this was great. So this was the kind of the foreplay (laughs) before the sex scene that John Stamos had with the female Donja by named Donja. Donja, Yep. Um, uh, Eric, you look like you no. All right, so I was just going to make a crack about how it took so long. It was more like five play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, worth it. Um, all right, so so it was a little strange. I feel like John Stamos was like resisting this sexual advance from Doncha, right? Yeah, and so she was laying it on thick and very thick, and she was, you know, like tanning and taking off her her bra and covering herself in water from a hose that kept slapping her in the face. <laughs> Like, very phallic imagery here. And all John Stamos kept doing was entering the house and then coming back out and, like, eating an apple. First it was a bottle of water. First it was a bottle, yeah, it was a bottle of water, and then he, he would drink it, and then it was over, and then he would just keep staring. He'd go back in the house, he'd come out with an apple. <laughs> and then he ate it, the whole thing. And very aggressively. Drop the core on the ground the right core. next to the empty bottle. Went inside the house, got another apple. <laughs> came out, ate, like, two bites of it and threw it. And then just started eating her chin instead. <laughs> this is the flavor I wanted. And then he laid her down in the Several bed. Times. Yep. About 10 times to my count. <laughs> oh, so they uh, had a penitentiary three fucking. That's true. <laughs> they did. The deck of slam. Yeah. And then, and then we saw the moment of penetration. I believe I did. I'm pretty sure you found it. I believe I, I did. believe I saw that moment, and then they had a great night together. Yeah, they fucked to uh, smooth Chinese restaurant jazz. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's really. They did that. Yeah, it changed really quick. Like the foreplay mood was so much different than the than the execution. Mode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what you call it, right? Foreplay and execution. Yeah. Okay. Sure. I thought so. <laughs> um, that was definitely a favorite part. Like I, I, I was in awe. We were all just looking at each other, like. We were like, please let him just have a pile. Well, because I joked after the bottle of water. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, I hope he just, like, they cut to a scene, it's just 10 empty bottles of water. (laughs) 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 But they did us one better. Yeah, they, they, uh, honestly, unpredictable. Like, I I was just like, please this. And then what I thought of wasn't (laughs) even as good as what happened. Pretty much most of the movie. I can't believe they graced us with that. Yeah. Oh, so wonderful. I didn't think the movie would get that ridiculous, and I'm so, so glad that it did. I am I am too. <laughs> I am too. Uh, any any more favorite parts? Um, the entire end? Um, yes. I want to say very quickly that the very end of this movie has what every kid would ever want to be their ending to a movie, and that is right off on a dune buggy into the sunset. <laughs> <laughs> After circling thrice. After after really making a spectacle that you're in a dune bucket. <laughs> well, I meant the end more with like the suitcase. Okay. And John Stamos and Gene Simmons fighting on a dam. Yeah. <laughs> fighting on a dam to uh keep radioactive waste from entering the city water supply. <laughs> looking for not the de deactivate, I guess. Diffuse. Diffuse, yeah. Yeah. There you, you go. Thank you. Look at you defuse the suitcase bomb thing that's going to pollute the water supply. And uh, so they're duking it out, duking it out. And then finally, John Stamos stabs Velvet in the throat with her own nail and tries to deactivate the detonator. And that fails. So 
Don just throws him a fucking rocket launcher from a helicopter. <laughs> well, this is not just any rocket launcher. It's the one his Asian friend built. Of course. Was this is a Cliff? laser flamethrower grenade launcher. Was his yeah. name Cliff? Cliff, yes. Um, a laser grenade launcher flamethrower, but yep. really it was just a it just sucked. rocket launcher. Yeah, it just sucked. <laughs> it worked it never half worked. the time. Um, so she threw that to him. It obviously didn't work. He aimed it at the suitcase and nothing happened. Um, so then he just decides to grab the suitcase, throw it over the edge of the dam, grab the gun, throw that over the edge of the dam. The two collide midair <laughs> and explode directions. from different directions with like a four second gap between when they were thrown and it explodes and the movie has a happy ending now. Yeah. Like it was so off of actual <laughs> physics that it hurt. <laughs> <laughs> like I have to think did they have a different ending intended mm. and then that was what they had to go with I don't know if that because were the case because I feel like for someone to write that ending is appalling I, I mean if that were the case then why wouldn't they just edit around the fact that the gun sucked and missed the case why wouldn't they just edit it so that the gun worked and he blew up the suitcase so I so like, that was this fully intended. absurd, but it's never like that absurd. It's never like breaking the laws of physics. <laughs> yeah, they saved that treat for the very end. <laughs> it's true. Uh, no, they're definitely jaw dropping. That was a rewind and rewatch moment. Oh yeah, um, a couple of those I think. Completely appalling. But a favorite part Completely nonetheless. Completely appalling. Favorite part though. Yeah. You know what? It kind of looked like it was kind of had the same treatment as oh, fuck. The last match <laughs> with the, with the punt uh. with the, going into the helicopter. It just looked it looked the same. It, it would it looked like it was framed the exact way. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were gonna say what was something about Under Siege Two. Why would I ever? <laughs> <laughs> Steven Seagal running against a green screen. We're gonna cover that for the podcast at some point. I hope. I'd love to watch Under Siege Two for this. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, any other any other favorite parts? That is about it for me. I mean, we did cover a lot of the, like a lot of the successes are favorite parts. For sure. Like they, they are. It's like Gene Simmons. There, there you go hand in hand. Uh, John Stamos is one of my favorite parts of this movie, personally. And I, and I know he was brought up during failures, but I thought like what, what well, kind you of. missed your chance. What kind <laughs> of. <laughs> this is my chance right now. Not a success, but he's a favorite. He's a final thought. No, we're not on final thoughts yet because we haven't even rated. But what do you think would have happened to John Stamos's career had he not done Full House? Do you think he would have gone on this path of doing like sexual action movies? Do you think he would have wound up? <laughs> no, <laughs> he would still be in Granddad's on CBS. What? Well, that's a find Endgame or whatever channel it's on. Yeah, I don't know Fox probably. Um, but no, I mean, do you think like his? Do you think? How, do you think he could have like grown into that role a bit more if he had given more time to it? I th I think so. Um, he. He's certainly competent in the action scenes in this, regardless of how many times he has a stunt double behind him. But I mean, well, who doesn't? When he's pointing a gun or he's shooting or he's doing something sort of actiony, mm -hmm. he looks the part. Yeah. Um, I don't think this character was written very well for him. I don't feel like this character is in his voice. Yeah. Um, this character lacks like a certain natural confidence. Mm. He seems like he's faking it the entire time, if that makes sense. And that's not what I expect out of a John Stamos character. I expect someone that's kind of cocksure from the start. True. You know? Agreed. And smooth. Yeah. Yeah. This character, I'm trying to think who would be more appropriate for this character. He kind of seems like he's more of a high school kid. Yeah. Than like a college student. For sure. 
Interesting. Some, something that doesn't sit right in it. And I, I feel like an older character for, for John Stamos would have made more sense. Hmm. I don't know why I was a college student. Yeah. Maybe if they had scrapped the whole gymnast thing because they didn't use it at all. It was barely used, yeah. They could have just made him some like at-a-college work bum. Yeah, that, that could have worked. That, and then, you yeah. know, he could have been like a lazy guy turning around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Nonetheless, I still thought, I still enjoyed it. We could do that one. you remake this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Starring <laughs> Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> My yeah. God, I was just, just going Dude, to say that. Dwayne The Rock Johnson is a gymnast in college. <laughs> <laughs> Pitch that one to the studios. It still wouldn't be the most absurd thing in the remake of this movie. <laughs> That's very true. Oh, let's get Tommy Wiseau down here. All right, let's. let's Tommy Wiseau be as Ragnar. Yes. That's what Ragnar. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you're turning me apart. <laughs> All right, let's let's rate it. So let's rate it then. Yeah, I'm gonna go. With yeah, fuck I'm gonna you. have to give it an unfortunate fuck off. Oh my god, my fucking father. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Yeah! All right, guys, <laughs> let's rate. This movie, Never Too Young to Die, 1986. Guys, let's rate it. Who wants to start? I'm going to give it an unabashed fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a birthday rating from Eric. Um, this movie delivered on everything I wanted it to. Um, I saw the cast list and I said, boy, I wonder what would happen if that happened. And then it <laughs> happened. Uh, I, I thought the, the casting was original and interesting. Um, I never would have expected to see this movie. And I'm glad it turned out as weird as it did. Um, I kind of wonder if the weirdness was intentional mm, or if so it just sort weird. of happened. Um, and th- this is just a perfect example of how everything can go right and wrong at the same time and make for an excellent B-movie experience. Like, this is what I tune into a B-movie for. Yeah. Just Agreed. for something that would not get a full-fledged budget um, and doesn't feature A-list actors, but is entertaining nonetheless because sometimes there are stories that can be told without a million-dollar budget. Mm. Well, more than a million, I guess, these days. Uh, that seems a little low. <laughs> That's true. That's like an indie. Yeah. Um, but like with a lower budget movie can give us something kind of unique and interesting like this. Um, it's not necessarily good, but it's certainly entertaining. Yeah. And I think B-movie connoisseurs would all appreciate this. I think so, too. I think it hit the right era mm-hmm. for this movie to be made. And I thought all of that contributed to why it was so good, which is why I'm going to give it a fuck yeah as yeah. well. Uh, there was a one point in this movie where John Stamos, uh, this was brought up earlier, was looking out the window. He says, uh, my name's not Scumbag, it's Stargrove. Lance Stargrove. <laughs> and then he cocks and shoots his shotgun. And at that point, I screamed in the room, fuck yes. <laughs> and, and I'll actually, from the rest of the movie, upgrade that to a fuck yeah. <laughs> and it, it was an absolute blast. And I think, I, I don't even think I gave Jim Cotta a fuck yeah. But, yeah, I feel like we were disappointed by Jim Cotta in some ways. This was way more fun than Jim Cotta was. It, it was it was so much different, mm. you know. And and I don't know. I don't. Maybe the fact that it was, it did have these people who were famous are famous to us. Yeah, in it, but they're not a list famous. They're, not, or they're famous for things that aren't movies. Yeah, you know exactly. And the fact that this was made before those things for the I mean was you know before John Stamos was John Stamos, right? So I mean I don't know. Maybe knowing that made us like it a little more it's like we're seeing an alternate universe movie mm. <laughs> yeah and uh I, I mean i had a great time i definitely watch it again um i, I try and get a copy of this for excellent sure. yeah uh, unfortunately we were forced to watch this on youtube because that's where we could find it yeah so the quality was not great but we won't knock the movie for that no well. exactly i definitely want to we should try to invest. find it in better quality i will invest <laughs> um <laughs> Brittany, what do you give it um i honestly expected to hate this movie for obvious reasons and expected to give it no more than like a fucking fine. Um, 
I was going to give it a fuck yes, as you had said, but I also upgraded it to a fuck yeah because it was just pure absurdity. Uh-huh. And I enjoyed every second of it. And like you said, it did everything wrong, right? It took everything that it needed to take too far, too far. Um, it was just very pleasing. It was a pleasant surprise. And yeah, it was weird, like nobody knew any of us things <laughs> existed on film type of experience yeah i mean i wonder if this movie even had uh, i mean i know nothing about the existence of this movie so i have no yeah. idea what impact it made when it came out if it even was anything because i mean gene simmons was still popular right because was still, still a thing yeah, yeah. yeah. mid 80s yeah I, I would assume so yeah i mean i don't it, think they were past their prime by that point exactly I don't think happened until the 90s yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say John Stamos was the only one who wasn't famous in it yet. I mean, Robert Englund was famous, George Lazenby, all at this point. Yeah, yeah. so I think like, even the the, the the girl who played Dungeon, I think she was like a thing. Oh, I forget what her name was. It was it was like a one one name namer, you know. <laughs> yes. Victory, I think. That's how you know they're famous. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. So, uh, final thoughts? I would recommend this movie yep. to anyone who likes bad movies. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm genuinely surprised. Like you said, never heard of this movie. Yeah. I would Ever. expect this to have like a huge, be- like a cult following. Like this mm-hmm. is bad on a level that doesn't usually happen. Yeah. You know? it's It seems like a rare gem and no one's talking about it. Vanity. Unless I'm just looking in the wrong place. Vanity, that's it. That's, that's true. Maybe we are looking. I mean, yeah, because I mean, this is this is totally slipped under my radar. And that's what I love about just being movies. They're just endless. Oh, yeah. It's fucking so vast. You're never going to run out of bad movies. Never. You're never Somebody's gonna... always making a movie that wasn't the one. Yeah, and it's and it's 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 just so deep. <laughs> and every day you'll find something new and, and fresh. I feel like way more movies get brushed under the rug than are successful. Mhm. Mhm. And that means we'll be here forever. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can pick up these movies and you can watch them and you get to have like your own fresh opinion on it like these movies just exist in a vacuum for the most part. Yes. Because it's so like we don't have any like our opinions of them aren't painted by any kind of outside stimuli or like references that are made in you know TV shows or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never seen, uh, like I've never seen Goodfellas, for example. Well, not Goodfellas, uh, The Godfather. Yeah, I've never seen The Godfather. I know enough about The Godfather just from living. You know, <laughs> from like, breathing I, on the earth. Exactly. So I'm gonna have like an opinion on it going right in where I'm like, okay, that's the guy who talks like this. And so I know something about it. Like this movie is just a complete blank spot. No one's ever talked about it in my presence. (laughs) So, you know, you get to have that fun of exploring something that seems unexplored. Yes. And that's why we do this. Well, well summarized. Good work. The guy who directed this directed a movie called Night Vision. It's about a investigator (laughs) who goes after a media, media obsessed serial murderer who videotapes tapes his victims deaths i love movies where <laughs> serial killers tape the deaths do you i do <laughs> we should probably watch that though. okay anyone good enough who's uh, on our cast list for cynthia this? rothrock oh, oh shit i've been meaning to get a cynthia rothrock on this fred williamson who is super familiar looking but i actually don't remember anything he's been in okay ah uh, from dust till dawn okay yeah, food for thought. Okay. All right, write that one on the list because that sounds great. Yeah. And I've been, I've been meaning to get Cynthia Rothrock on the show at some point. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. Give, give her a call and see if she'll come on. Oh, no, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure she's not doing anything right now. Yeah, I'm sure she's not busy. <laughs> um, all right, so that's it, right? Yeah, that's, that's it? everything. All right. You've been listening to Second Class Cinema. If you'd like more information, head on over to Facebook, facebook.com slash Cinema. If you'd like to listen to our show, you can start wherever you're listening to us right now. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher, Tune in radio, secondclasscinema.com, and followingfilms.com. 
Don't forget to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. That would be awesome. Yeah, do that. So we re- we'd really appreciate that. Uh, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. That was great. And I think that's it. We're done. We're over. <laughs> Good night. We're, over. We're done. Good night, and I love you. All right, I love you too. <laughs> <laughs>